Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. main attraction podcast where we discuss the biggest movies and television shows in the entertainment industry each week. I am your host, Justin Strawn, and joining me each week is the other host of the main attraction podcast, a man you can always trust to join the right team, Ryan Nelson. All right, Justin, we got to talk about Aquaman. No one needs to go fishing with him. <laughs> that is correct. No one needs to go fishing with him, and we will discuss that probably a little bit later on in the show, probably towards the end, but we will definitely be discussing that uh, as we are discussing the season finale of Peacemaker, like we have been doing every week since we started this uh, show a few weeks ago. Well, I guess we started it off with Station Eleven, but pretty close. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. We hope that you continue to do so. Uh, and if you would, we would appreciate you keep coming back to us as we are discussing all of these entertainment industry comings and goings. Uh, if you do enjoy the show and you want to help support the show and get exclusive content, head over to our Patreon and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Just go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMainAttractionPodcast and you can support us at a three, five, ten, or twenty dollar level. And you had somebody you want to shout. Out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I wanted to shout out our Patreon, Will Griffin, and his son, Parker, who is a huge fan of the show and loved the Bubba Fett talk. Awesome. So I told him that we will have some, some Obi-Wan Kenobi before long. So we really appreciate Will and Parker. That's right. We'll definitely be covering Obi-Wan. I'm sure that will be a fun series. Looks like it's going to be an absolutely an absolute blast as they get ready to just go delve into the life of Obi-Wan and how everything portrayed, well, everything that happened to him after the events of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, uh, shout out to you, Parker. We appreciate you guys listening. You too, Will, as always. Uh, no new patrons this week, but if you do decide to start supporting the show before our next episode, we'll shout you out just like we did Parker and Will. So, uh, that's a one added benefit to becoming a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. If you like the show but can't be a patron, head over to Apple and Spotify and leave us a five-star rating. They go a long way in helping the show get out to new people. It gets new ears, new eyes on the show. And if you have time, write us a review on the show on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll read it on our next show. We've had one, and I read it uh, a couple weeks ago, so we'll do that same thing for you. Now, one programming note, we have decided to start trying a little bit different format. Instead of doing two shows at once, we're going to break it up into two different podcasts, so... We are recording them both at one, uh, all at one time, but uh, we will be doing the Reacher podcast uh, a couple of days from now. We are recording it right after we get done with this one, but it will release in a couple of days. Uh, so if you haven't seen that yet, make sure you get on Amazon Prime and check out the first four episodes of Reacher, because that is what we will be covering in, on our midweek show. So, all right, let's go ahead and get into this. So, uh, 
I guess let's, let's, just, let's just start with uh, your big picture thoughts on the season finale of Peacemaker. Obviously, it's a huge deal. It, James Gunn tweeted out, I think he tweeted out today, that it's the most viewed show ever on HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, a big deal. Uh, lots of things to talk about. What were your big picture thoughts on the show? Uh, love the finale. Thought they wrapped up the whole season pretty well, right? Which makes me wonder if James Gunn was a little concerned they weren't going to get a season two or something. Yeah, I know that's one. He may have been thinking that going into it because this was. I can see why he would think that because going into this, Peacemaker is not a well-known character. He's not yeah. a character that people are just instantly attracted to. Like I said when we first started discussing this a few weeks ago, I don't think coming out of the Suicide Squad, people were just like, oh, I've got to have a Peacemaker show. I, I don't think he... I, he was a good character in that movie, but I don't think he was nearly as compelling in that movie as he has been in the show. Uh, so I can see why he might have been a little bit hesitant to think that they might not get a second season, because you're right, they do wrap up quite a bit in this finale for season one, and they've already announced, if you do miss the news, they are going to get a second season. That was announced, I think, Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Uh, so there will be a second season of Peacemaker. I'll be interested to see what where they go with, uh, with it after this first season. I will say this. I've loved I love the season finale. I thought it. I thought there were some really good moments in it. There are probably though. I have probably some of my biggest questions there towards the end that I've had about anything in this series so so far. So uh, we'll definitely be talking about that here a little bit. Now you probably have an idea of what about what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, what do you want to discuss first? I mean, cause there's some. There's a lot to break down with this episode. What's What's one thing you want to discuss first? Uh, let's let's talk about your questions coming out of it because I'm interested. I, I'm not exactly sure what you're going to okay. say. Is. All right. So, well, the because the biggest change in this show in the season finale happens towards the end when Chris is brought down and he's fighting Sophie Song or Golf or whatever we want to call her uh, because she kind of has both personalities and she says, "I don't want to fight you. I'm not. I don't want to hurt you." And she brings him and she this. She puts on. She just explains to him their their actual plan, and how it's basically. Basically, this is where James Gunn is taking his political shot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And here's the only issue I have with it. He's taking his political shot. It is most directly pointed at um, people who are against doing things that will slow down climate change. That's the biggest thing that he's pointing it out. But it's more generally pointed at basically anybody who supports Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. uh, so uh, he's taking his political shot. I don't have a problem with him taking his political shot. I just don't know how well it works because you can obviously tell by with what she's saying, the things that she is doing, that James Gunn wants that to be the opinion. Is That's the good opinion to him, right? Right, right, right. But he's given that opinion to the villains, so regardless of whether or not you agree with the politics or anything, assigning the opinion that you're trying to associate as the good opinion to the bad guy, that just muddles up the delivery of the message completely to me. Look yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I didn't like that whole aspect of it because this is this has kind of been a show that I feel like 
Unless you're a white supremacist, you may have been offended, but you know, <laughs> right. I, I have some words for you other, that we could say afterwards. But anyway, besides that, I think this was a show for everyone. If right. you're a comic book nerd, whatever political spectrum you're on, I think you could enjoy it. But I'm with you. When when they went down that road, I was like, oh, come on, James. And like I said, I, 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 I agree with you. That's what another kind of... That's another nitpick I have with the show is he hasn't done anything up until this point. He hasn't tried to do this at any point throughout the series. He hasn't really, which surprised me because James Gunn mm-hmm. is a very political person and he has yeah. very strong political beliefs. So I was a little surprised that he hadn't tried to incorporate anything like this into the show prior to this. I mean, if you want to say he's done anything political, it's the white supremacy stuff. But yeah. uh, but like I said, most people are going to agree that you're trash if you're a white supremacist. So it's, yeah. not, that, it's not that big of a deal. But like I said, I just – they haven't been setting this up. And all of a sudden, it's like it's just thrown in here, and we want to make sure we get our shot in. But it just doesn't really fit in with the rest of the story. And they're also trying to portray the butterflies in this instance as like a sympathetic villain. The one thing he wasn't doing with White Dragon, he's now trying to do it with the butterflies. And it hasn't been sold really except for that one moment Right. And Sophie Song was taken over and she's talking to her partner and says she really did care about you. And that's really the only thing that they've done to sell that. Yeah, and how can you make them sympathetic when we saw them murder hundreds of people exactly. and take over their body? Yeah, and that's the that's the point. And that and that's the other side of this coin, whereas the people that he is trying to preach to about how wrong they are about climate change, about if you voted for Trump or anything like that, yeah. the people that he's trying to preach to by give, basically, he's making their point for them because the thing that they hate is, well, all the people, all you liberal people over there, y'all are the ones who want to force everything on us, and that's exactly what the butterflies did. So, like I, <laughs> I mean, like I said, yeah. I, I get what he was trying to do, but I think when he was, I think he was thinking he was making a really smart point, but he was not thinking about the delivery of his message and just how it fits in the rest of the series. And I think that is a, that's the only real miss for me in this show. I, I, you're 100% right. And this is a reminder. No, no one wants this in their superhero shows. Right. I mean, you can, have, you can have some a little... It needs to be... If you're going to do political stuff in superhero shows, it needs to be subtle. Yeah. It needs to be very kind of... And it needs, to be, it needs to be subtle, and it needs to just kind of be brushed across. It doesn't need to be something that you spend, like, you do this heavy-handed thing, because this was extremely heavy-handed when he did it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't, whether or not you agree with the opinion or not, if, you're, if, you, if you agree with James Gunn's politics or if you don't agree with him, that's not the point of what this is. The point is it was a bad storytelling technique, in my opinion. No, I'm with you. The storytelling, it, it makes no sense. But like I said, it's just, if you're going to do this, you have to do it more throughout the course of the season. And like I said, it was just a weird place to learn. When, when he start when Sophie Song starts telling me that, I'm like, this doesn't fit, okay? Because like, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, politically, I'm very much in the middle. Uh, you know, I, I didn't vote for either Trump or Biden. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm very much in the middle. I, I'm very much a moderate, so I don't really like either side but they like i said it just did not work as soon as she started going down that road it's like this is this is the only real part of the season that didn't work for me so yeah and i would agree with you and i love the show and i want to see many more seasons but if they keep going down that road 
this will lose something for me, and I may not enjoy it as much. Yeah, like I said, I, I hope and pray. Uh, my, this kind of goes back to what we might have been talking about earlier. He wasn't sure if he was going to get a second season, so maybe he thought, I'm going to hit it hard here at the end, and that way I get that out there. Uh, and, you know, and if he does want to try to put some more of that in there, hopefully he would do it, like I said, do it more subtle, not have it such a big focus here at the very end like he did uh, in this episode. Well, I have a message for James Gunn, or really anyone who's spouting their beliefs on Facebook or Twitter. The person you're arguing with isn't going to all of a sudden change their mind because of butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. Just want to throw that out there. They are not. And that's one of the most frustrating parts about social media and everything else yeah. in today's society is people, everybody wants to change their mind, and you're not, you're not going to. You're just yeah. not. Uh, it just takes – it takes – time and all that type of stuff and most people don't ever change their mind so yeah. but yeah like i said so that was that was my real big issue like i said it's really the only issue i've had throughout the course of this show uh because it's like you said they really do a good job of wrapping up most of these most of the things that they were building towards they get wrapped up really nicely in in this season finale uh so let's go ahead and get into some of those things that they do uh wrap up here so at the end we have uh what do we have we have uh well let's just talk about that so we think they stuck the landing correct yes i think they stuck the landing yeah i think they did too i think they did a really good job of putting bows on everything that they need to put a bow on i even put a bow on judo master which yeah i was going to say they kind of that was the one hint about you know future installments was judo master looked a little upset Right. He looked like he was upset because they had said that the the butterflies had convinced him. And that was also, they believed that James, not not James, uh, Chris Smith, Peacemaker, was in line, kind of along the lines of Judo Master. And that that time that she spent in the glass jar in his trailer convinced her that it was, he he was like a kindred spirit to Judo Master. That's the reason why she didn't want to kill him. Uh, I do think it was interesting, though, going kind of back to that whole thing. Uh, you know, people are wondering, well, let's just go ahead and let me ask you this. Do you think Chris made the right decision in killing the cow? Uh, yes. Cause yeah. I mean, who knows if the, the, uh, <laughs> the butterflies are telling the truth. Right. And that's kind of, you know, that's my opinion too. Obviously you have to make that decision. You can't have these alien creatures come in and invade people's bodies, even if they have the best of intentions in line. And I think this is also a self-reflection I think Peacemaker gets a lot of time to reflect on this too because, I mean, their basically philosophy when they, what she says when they came down is, you know, yes, we're having to kill these people that we're invading, but we'll do, we'll kill and do whatever we have to to ensure that your planet is saved. And I think that was when Peacemaker just kind of light bulb went off in his head, you know, I believe in killing anybody I can to maintain the peace. And that's like, oh, I am a lot like these people. And I think that was a, a big realization for him. Uh, and it, yeah. Go ahead. And I was going to say, I was glad he killed it because I was tired of looking at that thing. And I hope <laughs> I never see it again. <laughs> I mean, my reaction to it would have been very similar to what John Economist was when, when he yes. went down to, to sit, put the, uh, the sonic boom helmet inside of the base. I, mine would have been very similar to his if I had actually been there because, yeah, that thing was creepy. He had the best description. He's like, I couldn't think of a way to describe it it's, it's like a giant caterpillar yeah. with, with spider eyes basically uh but yeah that yeah I, it still is just a weird looking thing uh but i think it's interesting though when he when they were talking to him 
at the end of the episode, you know, Adebayo is asking, she's assuming that the reason why he did it was because of his hyper-libertarianism and all this type of thing. He says, no, I just, I was afraid they were going to hurt y'all. And, you yeah, know, that, right. so it kind of leaves a little bit ambiguous about the reason why he, he ended up doing it. So uh, who were your, I mean, we're not doing weekly awards, but nevertheless, who was kind of stood out for you the most in this episode outside of obviously uh, Peacemaker? I, Adebayo was, this was, I was thinking if we did, if we did the uh, Tyrion Lannister, she probably would have won for me this week. I yes. thought this was a really, really good episode for her. Yeah, she had a really strong showing in this one i mean we see her really kick into kick into gear once she realizes that harcourt goes down she realizes that vigilante is going down and we get a we get another level from her because all of a sudden she, she's been saying this entire time i'm not made for this i'm not made for this this isn't me this isn't who i am and then when her team truly needs her she says i am made for this you know what but she says i am made for this and she whips into action Love seeing her do that. Love seeing her basically rat her mother out on national television. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out because, you know, she basically just said what Amanda Waller has been doing in running these suicide squads. Can you still have a suicide squad after after this show? Yeah. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Uh, what were your favorite scenes of the show, of this episode? Well, uh, I really, I thought the fight scene was just remarkable just the the big where uh, uh vigilante uh peacemaker and hardcore go in to fight right that was and, one of the better fight scenes that we've had this yeah and jennifer holland is just very impressive in her fight scenes yeah she is I, that she has been a very pleasant surprise like i said I, when we were going into this i just assumed she would be more like she was in the suicide squad much more of a behind the computer type person i didn't expect to see her being this you know butt-kicking lady that could take that yeah. could hold her own in a fight with just about anybody else that she's gone up against and that's exactly what she's done and like i said i didn't really see that part of her character coming out in this show but mm. it's been a delight to watch to say the least yeah and her her action moves are just especially since we're watching Reacher at the same time mm-hmm. and it has some incredible fight scenes. Her fight scenes are right there with it. Yeah, they really like are. We, like she's she does a lot of uh parkour and a lot of jumping and stuff that's that's really impressive. Uh I don't know if that's her. I don't know if that's her yes. stunt double, but it look it looks like a lot of her. I would think a lot of it is her uh because I, I the most of the time I didn't see that a lot of that stuff when she was doing it. I mean, they were close-up shots, so it's really hard to get body doubles to come in when you're having that close-up when you're having all these close-up shots of these action sequences it's really difficult to put a body double in there and have it still be convincing so i would think that she did a lot of it but i could be wrong about that but it wouldn't surprise me i'm sorry and i was gonna say i also liked how in the big battle they had the theme song going yes and then and then when her and vigilante got hurt they slowed it down Yes, they did. Like the music. I thought that was really cool. It was. It was a, It was really cool because I, I wasn't really sure exactly how they were going with that because I was like, our schedule, so we're doing, the, we're doing the, the theme song here, which is cool. I love the theme song. But, and they were really, you know, they were going along great. And it's like, so it looks like it's going to be this really glorious moment for them. And then all of a sudden things start to go in a different direction. They slow it down. So James Gunn just continues to show that he understands how music can work in a show and just the, how it can basically be like another character in the audience. I mean, another character in, in the cast 
by using the music the way that he does. It's like I said, it's just he has a unique way about doing that. Yeah, he really does. And then uh, the other thing that really stood out to me that I was happy about is Augie Smith looks like he's going to be a character uh, as as his uh, nemesis yes. in, in his mind. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they, if how much they stick with that. Uh, I like having Robert Patrick in there. I like the fact mm-hmm. that that you know, even though he is, even though he was killed in the seventh episode, even though he is now dead, he is he still left such an impression on Chris that he can't shake him. And it's not, you know, it's the exact opposite of a Force ghost in Star Wars. You know, the Force ghosts are there to help, you know, Luke or whoever it is along the way and give him guidance and show him a better direction and here it's supposed to just be a haunting of of, of peacemaker which is a, well, have you go ahead have you seen dexter yes i have not i saw like the first two or three seasons we're actually okay. going to talk a little bit about that at the very end of the show and i'll tell you why but uh okay. but i have this, this reminds me more of the dark passenger from dexter okay see i never got that far with it well, that he had it the whole time. His dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking. Okay, I forgot about that. Yes, he did have his have his dad that was kind of like always there with him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, Dexter. That like I said, we'll t- actually talk a little bit about that at the very end. Um, but so like I said, the, that was a really good moment. I liked the fact that. John Economos, uh, when he is when he goes down, then when he comes running back up after seeing the the cow, you know Steve eight is it Ag 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 uh, Steve Ag does a he gets really his only real moment to shine in this entire series because he hasn't had a whole lot of moments in this in this show as much as some of the others have, but when the butterflies are questioning him about why he was down there and he basically has to just you know, be so open and honest about his insecurities, about, you know, who he is as a person. And he's also, at the same time, whether he was trying to do this or not, I don't know, but basically showing the things that Christopher was saying to him, how significant of an impact they were actually having about being a dye beard and about his weight and all this other stuff that Christopher was giving him such a hard time about, especially in the earlier episodes, how that came back and Chris and Chris had to basically see that and come and come to terms with that. Yeah. And I would say, uh, this was more, it was also a good scene for John Cena because you saw him mm-hmm. taking it in and realizing how much damage he was doing. Right. Exactly. And you know that was like I said, just a really good performance by by both of them uh, to be able to to for Cena to be able to show that and for him to you know show that emotional vulnerability because like I said, we haven't really seen much of that from him since uh, all of us were talking about Steve Agee. Uh, we haven't seen that from him since the show began. He's kind of been a little bit of the character was really the least to do in in the show for the most part. Yeah, his best scenes were where he was arguing with vigilante about something. Right, those were always oh, yeah. His, his those were always his best scenes throughout the course of the episode. Speaking of vigilante, I'm glad you mentioned him. He just continues to be wonderful. I mean, absolutely wonderful. The whole sarcasm, uh, he, he doesn't understand sarcasm. He's like, well, you should tell people when you're going to be sarcasm. That <laughs> defeats the whole point of being sarcastic. If you have to tell somebody that you're going to be sar- sarcastic, then what's the point of doing it? I just love this character so much. I mean, 
Cena's, when we start getting into our, our Friends Awards, obviously we'll be talking about both of these characters, but my goodness, is he wonderful. He, he could win them about all of them. He really could. He absolutely <laughs> could. Uh, except for, except for the Ross. He, he could yeah, win the yeah, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he no way could be the Ross, but just an exceptional talent. And like I said, I mean, I, I, I wasn't familiar with Freddie Stroma. I know now that he was in uh, Harry Potter, but he, he didn't have a, a lasting yeah, role in that yeah. or anything. It's just an absolute joy to watch him perform. Absolute joy to watch him perform. And I hope and pray that we see a lot more of him as obviously we'll see him in the next season of Peacemaker, but I just want to see him do other stuff. I'll say it again, James Bond. He's British. This is Let's right. make it happen. Let's make it happen. Why not? I mean, there, there's got to be something else out there yeah. uh, for him to do. So I'm hoping and praying that uh, we see that. All right. Uh, let's see. What's some other stuff you want to talk about? Let's, let's talk about where this episode falls in line in terms of your favorite episodes of the season. Where, where would you Ooh. would you put it at the top, towards the bottom, middle? Where, where are you going with it? I guess what is it? You know, I would say towards the bottom. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, that's kind of the thing with finales. I yeah. mean, when you have a finale, even though they do a great job of wrapping everything up and there's some good action sequences, the finales are typically the least consequential in terms because everything else has been laid out. Now you just got to put a bow on it at this point. And so that's kind of the issue with this, with, with that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great finale in terms of, like I said, what we talked about, but just in terms of the biggest stakes of the season it, it's pretty low and it, like i said it it was fun don't get me wrong but yeah. it would be towards bottom. oh before we go on to, uh, let's go let's finish to, uh, this talk then we're going to come back to something else uh so you put it towards the bottom what, what's your favorite episode i think episode four that, that was, was the one the one where uh vigilante and peacemaker are in the car and then they go to right. the house and, and then that's and then uh, what else happens at the end of four? I'm trying. That's to when he goes. Into, that's when he goes into prison to try to kill. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's when he tries. Yeah. Yes. When when and vigilante tries to kill White Dragon by going to prison. That was a that was a great episode. Mine is mine is the one before this one, number seven. I, I really enjoyed uh, the penultimate episode. Uh, the White Dragon, my heart, or quit dragging my heart, as it was called. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I love that episode. I just love seeing the culmination of everything between. Peacemaker and Augie Smith, uh, I enjoyed that. I love seeing the backstory between those two characters. Uh, so that was that was fun to, to look at. That was fun to watch. Uh, so that, that would be towards the top for me. Yeah, but this one, like I said, I'm with you. It's probably closer towards the bottom. I don't think it's at the very bottom. Um, but it's, it's, it's on the lower end of the totem pole for me in terms of how I enjoyed this one compared to some of the other ones. I'd have to really go back and look at the episodes, but none of them are standing out as being the worst one either. Right. This is, that's the brilliance of this show. Yeah, that is that is 100% correct, because I'm glad you said that, because that is one of the best parts about this show, is the fact that it had a steady hand throughout the course of the entire season. There was no real, there was no episode that just stood out as way be, way above the others and there was none that was like oh well that was just an absolute stinker of an episode and you know being able to do that throughout the course of an entire season even if it is only eight episodes long that's a difficult task to pull off and James Gunn did a really good job of putting this entire thing together and like I said and part of it could just be the fact that he wasn't sure he was getting a second season so uh, he was you know writing his heart out for 
for most of it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how any of that would have played into it, but I, I, don't th- I would think that it had something to do with it. So, all right, the one thing that we need to definitely cover, the cameos at the end. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Were you surprised that they actually brought in, sort of brought in the Justice League? Absolutely, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because when, obviously, Adebayo, she's, when she was talking to her mother, uh, she asked, you know, can you call in the Justice League for reinforcements? And she's like, I don't know if I can make it happen. I don't remember exactly what she said, but uh, it was something along those lines. And then when everything's over and a Peacemaker is carrying Harcourt and uh, they're walking towards him, <laughs> he says, you're like, you you know what? Uh, it, it was just so wonderful. So the big thing, though, is that has everybody wondering, though, did you notice which one, which members of the Justice League weren't there? Uh, so we didn't see Batman. Right, didn't see Batman. He didn't see Cyborg. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's been the speculation. Why weren't those two there? The Cyborg is pretty easy, I think. Ray Fisher and everything that happened to him while he right. was recording uh, the original Justice League film and everything with Joss Whedon, I, I'm pretty sure that is the reason why he is not included. Now, my other question, though, is I don't know why Batman wasn't there. I mean, obviously... They had two stand-ins. Superman and Wonder Woman were the stand-ins. Uh, but I don't know why they didn't have Batman in there. That, that is interesting to me. Because some people are saying it might have something to do with the Batman, which is coming up in uh, a few weeks. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how, how that plays out. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, maybe it is because, because and this is the, the, the craziness of all these, uh, these comic book movies on, on Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. there's so many multiverses. Right. So the Robert Robert Pattinson's The Batman is a different multiverse than yes. Affleck's. He is. He's supposed to be so in a different that, universe. that could be why. That could have been confusing. Yes. But, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Uh, I do like the fact that we... Because when I first saw those silhouettes, I figured that we they weren't going to say anything. I figured it, these were just all stand-ins like it was yeah. for... Yeah. Uh, Superman and Wonder Woman, but no, we actually get Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller as as Aquaman and the Flash, and they have a little banter back and forth, which I was like, oh yes, because that I absolutely loved. And they they, they reference because we talked about this earlier, they reference the, all those things that uh, Peacemaker been saying about him, you know, having relations with the fish, and yeah. they they pay that off. And Aquaman's, I, I hate that rumor, and Flash says. It's not a rumor. Just you know what, <laughs> I I love that. It was just absolutely wonderful. It just fit in so well. It's nice to take those really serious characters that were in that serious movie, and kind of tone them down a little bit. Right, and it also yeah, and they got to do some uh, R-rated language that they yes. aren't able to do in the other movies. But it, it's also man, it's good to me. It opens us up like who's who's next. Right, exactly. Because, you know, he badmouthed the Green Arrow. Are we going to see Stephen Amell? Are we going to see right. the CWDC people? Yeah, and he, like, he badmouthed everybody. I mean, I'm a little surprised yeah. he didn't have that little callback to when he was talking to the kids and that little g- girl asked him about the Flash. Oh, yeah. I'm a little yeah. surprised he didn't say anything to him about uh, about that. So that, that would have been funny if he had uh, gotten the Flash in on that as well. So that, w- that would have been uh, a delight to see. But, yeah, just an, you know, it's just a really good show. It's an absolute fun show to watch. Uh I just like said, the only real thing I've had wrong with it is that just when he, when he decided to put in his political beliefs and how he went about doing it, I just think that was that was the only real mistake of the entire season. Yeah, I agree with you. That was the one miss. 
But other than that, it was, it, like I said, it was just an absolute joy to watch it each and every week. Uh, I mean, just wonderful, wonderful show. All right, do we want to go ahead and get into some season awards? Let's do it, man. All right, all right. So up first we have uh, the Rachel. If you know, if you are first time listening, the Rachel. We we do our season awards based on the six characters in Friends. Uh, so we have the Rachel up first, and that is the person who shined the most in the season. So who is your your Rachel for Peacemaker? I gotta give it to my guy John Cena, yes. Peacemaker. He, yeah. Uh, this this was a this was a coming I hate to say coming out party but it kind of, it kind of still is even though he's yeah. been doing really well yeah I mean this was he I, I mentioned this I may, I may have mentioned this to you I don't remember if I did it on air or off air uh, when we first started doing Peacemaker he when he has been the star of a uh, a movie it hadn't gone well because like uh, I write for a, a website called uh, Bam Smack Pal and when this was coming out, I ranked his top five best movies coming into this, and almost every single one of his only good ones that were actually rated well were where he was a, a supporting character. It's very everything where he was the star, where he was the focus. None of it did well. Uh, it was they were all bust. They were all reviewed terribly. So to see him take something where he is the star, where he is the focus. This is a coming out party for him in that regards. It shows that he can be a leading, uh, leading star character. So you're hundred percent right. The Rachel is definitely peacemaker. Uh, we had some other strong performances. There were a lot of people who shined. He shined the most, though. Yeah, he did. He did. He he made this his own. Like we talked about last week when we had Boba Fett, that he that that character uh, Tamron Morrison didn't do that. Right. Exactly. But but like. John Cena did. He is the star of the show, and he he stands out the most. All right, so we up next we have the Joey, the one you just love, regardless of what they do or don't do. You absolutely love this character. Who is your Joey for the show? I went with Adebayo as Danielle Brooks, and I did too. I went with Adebayo as well because she she has an interesting arc throughout throughout the show. Uh, she's when she first gets to the team, she doesn't. She doesn't want to be there. It's just a job. She's just trying to make some money. Uh, she, her mom got her this job, and she's not, you know, she's not really into it. She doesn't feel like she's cut out for it. Uh, you know, about two-thirds of the way through the season, she betrays Peacemaker by putting the diary in there into his, into his uh, trailer. And then she comes full circle by, you know, being fully invested in the team, ratting out her mom. Just an absolutely wonderful character. Really well done by Danielle Brooks. Like I said, this was the first time I had seen her. I know she had been in Orange is the New Black, maybe some yeah. other things. But this was the first time I had seen her, and I was really impressed by what she did in this show. And and very funny, you know, a uh, mm-hmm. little, little understated sometimes. R- really good reactions. Right. Very good with her face, facial reactions. And some of the stuff she does, it's funny. But, yeah, just, you know, economists and vigilante has, have more of the humor. But, but she was extremely funny as well. Yeah, she was. They, they all had to work that the humor in different aspects uh, throughout the course of the show. I'm pretty sure I know who we're both going to go with the, uh, the Chandler, <laughs> but I'll ask you anyway. It's got to be Vigilante. Yeah, it's Vigilante. He was, and if uh, I didn't explain this one, the, the Chandler is the one who is the the comic relief, the lighthearted, whatever it may be that kind of brings a little bit more levity to the show. Obviously, this show doesn't need a ton of levity, but it needed when the jokes were at its best. Vigilante was typically involved. 
Yeah. So he obviously has to be the Chandler. Uh, the Phoebe. The Phoebe is the kind of the oddball, the one you may not understand, who does weird things, things like that. Who's your Phoebe? I went with Economist on this one. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I, go ahead and tell me why you went with Economist. I did go a different well, direction. Uh, he, you know, is kind of a weird character. We never got to fully uh, figure out what he was really about, except he was scared of everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was, Phoebe also brought some humor and, and was, right. and, and was you know, a great character about yeah. that kind of stuff. And I thought he was too. So I, I thought they were kind of similar in that vein. I went with Judo Master just because we never really got a okay. full grasp of, of what he was supposed to do. We finally kind of get it at the end, uh, but when he was on screen, he just uh, he was the hardest to understand throughout uh, a lot of it. Like I said, we do get a little bit of a payoff for that there at the end of, of the season, but throughout most of the season, I was questioning, like, what exactly is his role in the story, and it just took a long time for that to pay out. So that's the reason I ended up going with Judo Master for the Phoebe. All right, the Monica. The Monica is kind of the... It's the award where maybe you like them, maybe you don't, but they have to do a lot of – they do some dirty work. They serve a purpose even though it may, they may not be the most – it may not be the most spectacular purpose on the show. So who's your Monica? I went with Harcourt. I, I thought she, – she's similar to Monica. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the straight lace, mm-hmm. the – you know, that the has the planned person. Mm-hmm. The person who's kind of the leader of the group. So I, I thought that was a good pick for this one. Yeah, I went with, this is where I went with Economos. I went with Economos for this one uh, just because of the fact that I thought that he didn't have a lot to do, but he still served a purpose. Uh, he felt like I felt like he had the least to do, but the show still isn't the same without him. Uh, if if you take his character out of the show, it's it's not the same. You don't have that. You know, he's the guy who makes Christopher at the end kind of come to you know have to like come to terms with some of the things that he does and says and so like i said without him it's definitely a different show but uh he didn't always have a whole lot to do so that's the reason i end up going with him as the monica i actually i, I wanted to put a hardcore somewhere but i just ran out of places <laughs> i yeah. wanted to put Mern somewhere i ran out of places that was kind of the same thing yeah because i think we're about to pick the same person for ross it sounds like but yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking, like, what's the what's the coffee shop guy? Maybe we should have him. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there what was, was Paul Rudd's character? I mean, uh, we could have put the vet people in from uh, from yeah. last episode. Right. I mean, there was there was so many characters that were so good in this this show that it was, uh, you know, I, I was like, man, I need to find some more <laughs> some more categories. Yeah. Uh, all right. So who's your Ross? Who's the person you just didn't like? Uh, I went with Augie Smith. Right. Uh, you know, he he's he's the the main dad, the racist, right. the just just the villain, you know. Yeah, and and if Augie Smith, if uh, Robert Patrick does his job, Augie Smith, aka the White Dragon, has to be your Ross. I mean, he he has no redeeming qualities. He has nothing to you know, kind of say. Well, maybe he's not such a bad guy. No, he has none of that. I mean, he put it. He pitted his two sons against each other when they were just boys. Had them fight. Christopher ends up killing him as a result. He continues to just verbally abuse Christopher throughout the course of his life. Uh, you know, he is, has to be the Ross if that character is done correctly. And if it's not, then that's a problem. So, absolutely, he has to be the, the Ross. 
All right, so let's get to our rating. So we have a we have a specific rating here on the Main Attraction Podcast. If it is a five-star show, then we give it a Game of Thrones. If it's a four-star, we give it a Lost. If it's a three-star, it's a Friends. If it's a two-star, it's a Full House. And a one-star would be a Baywatch. We both had it at Game of Thrones after the last two weeks. Where do you have Peacemaker overall? I've got it as a Game of Thrones. I was sad when this ended. I want more. I want more now. Yeah. Come on, and we're and it's going to be a while because James Gunn's still working on Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know when we're going to see a season two. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, it's been a Game of Thrones for me since I started watching it. It's still a Game of Thrones, even with the little misstep there at the end uh, with uh, him trying to insert his political beliefs. Like I said, I don't have a problem with him doing that. I just didn't like the way that he did it. Um, but yeah, it's still definitely Game of Thrones. And you're right, it could be a little ways before we get this. They'll figure out a way to get it done. I mean, I would imagine probably mid to end of 2023, uh, we'll probably get this out there. I'm sure I'm sure James Gunn knew he had something good when he was doing this. I'm sure when yeah. he was writing it, I'm sure he understood that it, this is going to be good. This is going to resonate with people. I don't know if he knew it was going to resonate the way that it did, but... I think he understood that he had some really good stuff that he was working with, and so he probably had some ideas going already written down, jotted down. Um, so I'm sure he's got something already to work with, even if he wasn't convinced that it was going – even if he wasn't 100% certain it was getting second season. So I think it will take it. And I got one more question for you before we finish with Peacemaker. Um, is this better than the Marvel shows? Mm, that's a good question. All right, so let's break that down then. All right, so let's, yeah. go, let's, let's start with the first one. WandaVision. Do you think it's better than WandaVision? I think I enjoyed this more than WandaVision. Yeah. I I think... What were you going to say well, before I start? Well, I, I loved WandaVision, but right. like this one, there was still some weird stuff with WandaVision now I think of. Yeah, I, I, I think this is better. The thing with WandaVision is it was so different. I mean, yeah. it was because you had those first few episodes that were just the straight-up sitcoms that were playing homage to it. So it was, like I said, and I don't think the ending was nearly as well done as this one. I, like I said, even though the, well, it's, it, it's the issue of season finales and series finales and all that type of stuff, that one really had a problem with it. The problem, Another yeah. problem, I don't know what you were thinking when you were watching WandaVision. One of the problems that I saw specifically with WandaVision is a lot of people were so disappointed with it because it just... People were running away with the fan theories. Were running away with that show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right about that. Because uh, what's what's his name? Mephisto. Mephisto. Yeah, Mephisto. Yeah, that one. Like, you know, I was waiting on that character. I know nothing about him because it was <laughs> there was rumors that Al Pacino of all people was right. going to be. Yeah. Yeah, and made, so, what made it worse was uh, who plays Vision? What's his name? Uh, Paul Bettany. Uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Like he trolled people. And I, don't, I don't know if he was intending to do it because he had said something yeah. about uh, there's this actor that I've always worked with, that I have great chemistry with, and I finally get to do it in the final. And people were like, "All right, well, who's he worked with? Who's he worked?" He was talking about himself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm like, and he even admitted that like the day before the finale airs. Like, uh, I think. People are a little going to be a little disappointed. Uh, so, so that was another problem that that show just had. Uh, but I will say these two are similar because a lot of the strongest characters were the side characters. Yeah, that's like true. Catherine Hahn, mm -hmm. Kat Dennings, yeah. Randall Park, uh, whatever, whatever the guy, something Boner, whatever. His, oh, Ralph Boner, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you had some really. That was why these shows are similar 
because of so much of what the the side characters brought. That's true. You you, you have a really good point in that. And that yeah. uh, and Evan Peters, I love Evan Peters. Uh, yeah, Evan Peters. Yeah, he he is spectacular. He's spectacular in that iteration of Quicksilver. I don't I didn't like the Quicksilver from uh, Age of Ultron. He I, he was yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of his, but the Quicksilver that he portrayed, I absolutely loved him. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's take the next one then. Captain America, and, not Captain America, it is now, but Falcon uh, and the Winter Soldier. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, much better. Yeah, I liked that show, but it, it's nothing where anywhere yeah. close to this. Loki, what about it? This is better. Does it, I think it is too. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty close. I love Loki. Yeah. I absolutely love Loki. I loved uh, uh, Morbius. What was Morbius's character name? Uh, what is, who's that? Uh, uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, love him. I love the chemistry between Owen Wilson and Loki. That was just absolutely uh, Tom Hiddleston and, and Owen yeah. Wilson playing off each other was absolutely fantastic. I still think this is a little bit better. I love that ending though on Loki. I made like that. Yeah, ending Loki in, was good. Their, their their ending may be better than this one though, just because I love the fact that they brought in Jonathan Majors to play. Yeah. He who not he who uh, what I can't remember exactly what his character is called, uh, but he's Kang going yeah. to be Kang. Uh, I love that ending. I absolutely love. You're that right. Ending. Their ending was probably better than this. All right, and that brings us to Hawkeye. What do you think about Hawkeye? Loved Hawkeye, but I still think this is better. Hawkeye is just such a different show. It was mm. like a. I, I was a describe it to a friend of mine. It's like it's just a Christmas caper. It's fun. Yeah, and it's probably the most similar in tone to this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, and another one where the side characters, mm-hmm. you know, were so good. Right. Like I said, I think I think you're probably right. The closest for me is Hawkeye and Loki. They're all in the same company for me. Uh, I. I do I like this a little bit better? Maybe it could be recency bias. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's what I wondered as well. That's why I w- wanted to bring this up. So, like I said, it, they're all definitely right there. They're kind of all neck and neck for me. So, uh, they're win place and show. <laughs> but, you know, I think you brought up, and I'll just make this last point. You made a very good point about the Marvel has so many spoilers and stuff that people are, are saying mm-hmm. may could happen. And that this didn't have that. Now yeah. we may have that in season two because right. we've seen the justice league. Right. Exactly. So there may be like, who's coming next, but because of that, you know, like you said, I'm, if I, I wasn't sitting there waiting on Al Pacino to show, the thought of Al Pacino in a Marvel show had me extremely excited. Exactly. And I mean, you want to talk about, theories just go look at the theories just based on the doctor strange trailer that just released i mean they're oh yeah they are running away with that right now Uh, like i said that's that's another topic for another day but yeah uh i'll be interested to see how all that plays out but yeah i think you're 100 percent spot on i think this is if it's not better than the marvel shows it's it's pretty close so i think most people probably agree with that as well if i had to guess all right, let's do some recommendations real quick. So, uh, you have any recommendations for our listeners this week? I do. I actually, the wife and I watched, uh, my wife's name's Kim. Let me shout her out because she listens <laughs> every week. I love you, sweetie. Uh, we watched the Amazon Prime romantic comedy, I Want You Back. Oh, really? Starring Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia oh, okay. and the comedian Jenny Slate. And it was very funny. It's worth watching. It's it's a throwback to the old rom-coms we used to get that we don't, they don't make anymore for whatever reason. It right. makes no sense, but it's it's a fun little movie. It's it's predictable, but you're going to laugh and mm-hmm. you're going to have a good time. So, I want you back on Amazon Prime. Uh, my other recommendation is Somebody Somewhere on HBO. Okay. It, it stars Bridget Everett. She's a comedian and musician. Once, if you look her up, you'll you'll uh, recognize her. Uh, just 
she stars as a 40-something woman in Kansas that's trying to get her stuff together and struggling and but it's still it's lighthearted it's 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 kind of the comedy dramedy thing and uh it's it's actually has a lot of heart and it's really funny there's a her best friend is some uh guy from high school that she didn't know and he is a comedian named jeff heller and he is really funny <laughs> so I, I would definitely recommend that and my other what thing was it again? what was it again it's called somebody somewhere okay, it comes somebody on somewhere. after the righteous gemstones okay so that's how. And my other thing is, sometimes when you are, uh, and I'm going to bring up Al Pacino, because sometimes when you are a pop culture nerd, things happen to you that just are just incredible. So last week I was out eating with friends, and I was discussing a scene from Heat, where Al Pacino is doing a movement with his hands, where he is discussing uh, Ashley Judd's backside. <laughs> and I was doing the, because it's a famous GIF. If you look up Al right. Pacino Heat, you will see this GIF. And I started doing this, and the waiter, a very young man, says, are you talking about heat? <laughs> <laughs> and he saw, he, all he saw me was, was, making, a, was making the hand, hand motion. Yeah, and he knew I was talking about Al Pacino and heat. So being a pop culture nerd can really pay off when you're out with dinner with friends. So uh, that's my last. <laughs> do, do the impressions. Uh, okay, so I've got two that I'm recommending and one that I'm kind of not recommending. Uh, let me just start with that one first. All right, so last week, I think it was last week, uh, right after the Super Bowl maybe, on Peacock, they released like the drama version of Bel Air, of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's just called Bel-Air. Maybe this is just me going into it, but when I saw this, I was like, I don't want a dramatic retelling of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I, I, I don't want that. That is not what I want. And maybe I should give it more time, but I tried to watch the first episode, and I'm just like, no, I don't want this. I, I, maybe if you don't have as much of an attachment to the original show, because it is well done. It's well acted. Uh, it's well directed. Uh, the re- reviews are mostly positive, uh, even though it's a little bit mixed. But, like I said, I, I, just, I was like, no, I don't want this. And I was like, who, who does want this? Yeah, is it funny at all? No, it's not. I mean, they have some like yeah. they have some like comedic moments in that first episode that I watched, but it's like I said, it, they're just very they're they're very light chuckles, and it's not anything. It, it is a serious, straight up dramatic retelling of the story of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and like I said, yeah, I could I could understand doing a reboot of the comedy. And, right. and adding some of the social stuff that was right. ignored in the first right variation, but doing a straight up drama, no, thank you. Yeah, like I said, like I said, maybe if people, if you don't have that attachment, because I love the first, the, the original. Oh yeah, it was wonderful, absolutely great. But yeah, like I said, maybe if you don't have that same attachment to it, and I will say the one thing that they are trying to do that I think is great is they're trying to get more drama, uh, more serious shows out there that involve african-american cast i think that there is a need that needs to be filled but i don't think you need to take a well-loved classic comedy and try to change that into a drama to fit that role i mean will smith is involved in this he's an executive producer and i'm just like will do you really think this is a good idea (laughs) yeah i mean but oh well well i think they they were you know, and this is coming from a forty-something white male, so right. let me just throw that out. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you would have more impact if you're trying to get white people to watch as well and to to learn something. If you do similar to like blackish, 
I it was a show Black that I watched. Yeah. So you know they they bring social stuff in. It's still really funny. Right. And then the Wonder Years, the new the new version mm-hmm. of the Wonder Years. So uh, you know if if you had the same comedy of the of the original Fresh Prince on, on a newer spin, I, I, you know it, it it may come off better. All right. So my first actual recommendation. I don't know. I, you and I have talked about this. Uh, I don't know if you actually recommended it on our second show or not. Uh, so what I did is I was looking at my subscription on this type of stuff this past week. And I was I get Paramount through my subscription to 24/7 Sports. I don't ever go on there hardly ever. So I decided to rework that, and now I'm getting Showtime and Paramount. And so I decided to check out Yellow Jackets. Yes, I, I, I recommended this. Okay, so I'm going to double down on your recommendation after having watched it because I watched all ten episodes this past week. Oh my goodness, this is a phenomenal show. And it is. We, go ahead. Sh- should we cover this in a future episode? I'm thinking we might need to. I mean, because yeah. it was. It's one. I don't want to spoil anything, so, but it's basically a show. It starts off as one thing and it like transitions into another thing and it like transitions into another thing again. I mean, it's like it, it has like three different lives of its own. And what's so great about this show is the casting. Oh, the casting is absolutely because you have to have, for the most part, an adult version and a and a teenage version, and they absolutely nail it on both ends. I mean, it is it's just such a, a wonderful show. I mean, it is dark and depressing, <laughs> but it yeah. is so so good. So yeah, we may need to find a way to, to work this sucker in in the next few weeks because it is really really good. I don't know. And this kind of goes into Showtime, and this is where I said we're going to talk about Dexter. I'm a little worried about it, though, because I don't know how, if you've read anything about it or how much backstory you know. The people who are doing the show say they have five seasons planned. Yeah, that I've read that as well. That's concerning. This should go two to three tops. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like it should go two or three seasons at most, five seasons, because Dexter had the same problem. It went yeah. on way too long. Uh, I haven't watched Billions, but I've heard it has gone on way too it, long. Same thing. Now, I will say the last season of Dexter, they make up for it. It's really good. The okay. one that came out not long ago. Okay. They, yeah, because there's one that they, did, they redid it or something. Yeah, they, they? It, yeah, somewhat. Dexter's back, but he's, it's, uh, he's in, it's him and and 15 years later okay gotcha but yeah like i said i mean like i said i'll watch i don't remember if i made it through three seasons or two seasons of dexter i don't remember exactly how many i made it through if you didn't make it through the fourth one you messed up the one with john lithgow that's the best yeah i I never saw that one so i mean yeah but yeah it's like i said and this is this is a showtime issue they do tend to go on too long uh and like i said I, i don't know how many people have showtime but if I would. Uh, you get a 30-day free trial on Showtime, so if nothing else, just go get that 30-day free trial and watch the show. I mean, it it is that good. I, I, like I said, I was really surprised. I wasn't really sure what I would think about it when I read about it, uh, but it's really, really good. So that's Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Like I said, Ryan had mentioned it earlier. I'm doubling down on that recommendation. Uh, my second recommendation, there is a character, in, there's an actress in Yellow Jackets. Her name is Ella Purnell. And when I was watching it, I was like, I know this girl from something. I know her from somewhere. And so I went and looked up her IMDb. Strangely enough, the reason I recognized her, she is the voice actress in a uh, show that came out on Netflix in November called Arcane. Uh, Arcane is based on the massively popular uh, online game League of Legends. 
it has zero business being as good as it is uh, because it is based on a video game and it is based on a video game that has over 150 characters and so I, when, the, when they first announced it, that they were going to do it's like they're going to put like 40 people in that show and it's going to suck uh, but they didn't. They only put like six or seven. But she is one of them. What's so weird, if you go, uh, it's a great show, one. Uh, it's animated, so if you don't like animation, you may not like it. But if you if you don't mind the animation, it's very much for adults. It's not quite as adult as uh, voice uh, Legend of Vox Machina is. But it's still, uh, for, it's more for adults. It's more kind of in the, you know, the uh, PG-13 range. But what's so great about the way that they did this, one, the reason I recognized her even though it's animated, they did a really good job of like making the character's face look like hers. And they did the same thing with the other main character because the other main character is voiced by Haley Seinfeld. And like you can like see uh. you can like see both of them because I was like, why do I know this girl? And every time like like in the introduction of Yellow Jackets, you kind of see her standing there in her uniform. She winks at you. And like, oh my gosh, that is the character she plays in Arcane. And so it's a really good show. So if you like her, if you watch Yellow Jackets and you like it, uh, and you like her because she has an interesting character in Yellow Jackets, to say the least. Oh yeah. Uh, if you like it and you like her, you might want to check out Arcane because, like I said, she does a, a phenomenal job of voicing the character that she has. She doesn't show up. Her character starts off as a young child, and like in episode four, she goes to the adult version where Ella Purnell takes over. Uh, but it's 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 like I said, it doesn't have any business being as good as it was. All right, anything else you want to add before we sign off? And just appreciate everyone joining us, and we'll see you next time. Yes, and we are about to record for Reacher, so we hope and pray that you have seen Reacher, and we will catch you guys in the middle of the week covering it. But until then, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.